welcome to the SkillsUSA podcast. My guest today is Glory Buford. We'll be discussing her journey as a member of SkillsUSA. I'm here today with Glory Buford. I said that right, right? Yes, Buford. yes, you did. I always want to say Beaufort, but it's Buford. A lot of people do, so you're good. And it's Buford. We're going to talk to her today in our on our program about her background as a former member of SkillsUSA, a current member of our alumni, as well as her professional career and how she manages it, it, juggling everything with being a business owner, a mom, a wife, and uh, probably a lot more hats that I'm not aware of, but those are the ones I know of off the top of my head. So I do have to, before I start, give credit to a podcast that I listen to, which for, for background information for people listening, SkillsUSA's podcasts, we started doing them back when podcasts were relatively new. It was a new uh, media for, for this era. However, we didn't do it, them in the way that one would consider a traditional podcast. We weren't doing interviews or having a program. It was more of a way to share speeches both motivational and otherwise, to to help people be a part of the events that we had. So I'd been meaning to convert them over into talking more to our members and our business partners and others, but I hadn't, I had just hadn't done it. And I saw on um, social media that Glory was being interviewed by a podcast called Black Sheep Conversations. And so when I listen to it, I'm like, this is who we should talk to. We should talk to Glory. We should talk to other members, people that I know over my years of working at SkillsUSA who I know have a good story. So thank you to them. I, I did not, I can't remember the name of the guy who interviewed you or the guys that interviewed you, but thanks to them for inspiring this. And everyone check out their podcast if you haven't, Black Sheep Conversations. So Glory, welcome. What's up? Hey. I just babbled for like five minutes and she's going, what, what, why am I here? But <laughs> I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your life and your experiences as a, both a student and as a, as a business owner. You, uh, for, for those who, who don't know her already, Gloria is a professional photographer. She does portraits. She does weddings. Is there, are there other categories that we need to be to talk about? I mean, it's portraits, weddings, um, that's probably the main categories. They break down, you know, depending on the client. I do portraits can be kind of broad. Um, I work with a lot of businesses and brands too, as far as like helping them document their visual presence of their, you know, brand online. So doing like business headshots for them, helping them take pictures of their products, stuff like that. So I do that on the side. That's really fun. But for the most part, yeah, you categorize categorized it correctly weddings and portraits okay and you live in georgia uh, where whereabouts it's not atlanta proper right it's no it's valdosta georgia so it's very south georgia i'm actually closer to florida than i am atlanta oh wow well that's not a bad <laughs> yeah. thing necessarily i mean you could no in for a nice vacation yes and you were i first met glory when she was a student officer for skills usa I even remember where it was just because of I had come out of this hotel that was relatively new to our organization 
and Glory was with her, her state director and, uh, and some other state officers coming in because they Georgia was staying in that hotel that some of our staff was staying in and we met out on the street in Kansas City <laughs> that's that was I just always remembered that because because of the the newness of that hotel for us and uh-huh but you were a student officer in skills USA I was and I remember my first memory with you or meeting you was I think we did you did the magazine you did uh-huh. a picture of me um, and at the time you stood out in my memory because I was an aspiring photographer, not really yet. It was more of a hobby. Um, but then I was also a state officer. So to see someone like you who was a photographer also within skills, USA, it was kind of like both of my roles working together. So you were like a visual representation of what I am now, you know, doing both of those things. Yeah. So you were a role model for me at the time. So that's why you stood out in my memory. But yes, I was a state officer for um, Skills USA Georgia. And we used you back then, our old, 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 several versions of the website ago, we used you that picture as yep. the representation for our student section yep. uh, for skillsusa.org. So you just said that you, you had not become a photographer yet. What was your trade area in school? Um, so are we talking high school? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So my background with school was a little unique because I was homeschooled um, from basically kindergarten through ninth grade. Um, And 10th grade was my first year in a public school setting ever. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. So I only had a little bit of a shock. Culture shock for sure. I mean, I had never ridden a bus before. I'd never sat at a school lunch table before. I'd never did the Pledge of Allegiance, you know what I'm saying, with, you know, bunch of students before. So all those like things that you just, a lot of people obviously grow up doing, I had never done before. And I'm 15, 16 and learning all of this for the first time. So yeah, it was a shock for sure. Um, so that's why I say my experience with education was a little bit more unique because um up through ninth grade our curriculum at home was very academic based so a lot of reading a lot of writing I when I say a lot of reading a lot of reading I mean book after book after book so we weren't really focused on um pathways or trade areas um yet until I got into 10th grade and um so it started out as healthcare. Um, and then into college that switched to psychology and then I ended up dropping all of that for photography. So, um, I kind of bounced around because of my unique exposure to that world, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and how did you get exposed to SkillsUSA? So it was, it was photography because I had, um, you know, of course I was new to the school. I was trying to get connected. Um, and I had a family friend who was also a teacher um, at my school. She knew that I was um, interested in photography. And so she recommended I join this quote unquote club um, at my school and said, you know, they have a photography competition. So you could, you know, join that and you could find a way to, you know, cause they also didn't have a photography class or course at my high school. So that was really the only way that I could kind of tap into that world at that age. Um, so that was really why I joined. I was very tunnel vision with it. I joined just for that competition and that competition only. I didn't know anything else about skills you say. And, um, 
it evolved very much so from there um, to my surprise, but that's how I got into it. I'm curious about how you made that transition though from a competitor focused student to someone who became more involved in, in the full program because one of the, one of the challenges that, that some advisors face is getting students from that one place to the other or getting them to, to be interested in both. What did that for you? Um, I would say just honestly, my advisors and just the people that I met the farther along I got in the program, just giving me a chance or just seeing something in me that I didn't see and encouraging me and pushing me to do it. Um, because 90% of the stuff that I've done with Institute to say, I would have never volunteered for on my own, if that makes sense, because mm -hmm. I never thought that I would have been capable of doing that. So it really just took other people seeing that and pushing me and just taking an interest in me, um, really. So I have to give credit to my advisors for that. Oh, great. That, 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 that's not uncommon. Advisors are a huge influence and, and inspiration for, for the students. Mm -hmm. Did so you got interested in photography. Was there any one thing that pushed you that way? Did you always have a little bit of an interest or was that something that just surprised you when it came along? Oh yeah, no, that was something from as a child. I mean, I'm talking like under 10. Mm -hmm. um, of course, you know, I grew up in the 90s and 2000s where everyone had a camera. That was pretty common um, because we didn't have smartphones with really good cameras like we do yeah. now. Um, but so everyone had a camera. And so, but the difference between me and other people back then was, you know, my friends would use their cameras, you know, to take pictures with their friends and any social activities they were doing, whatever. But me, my caramel was more of my escape from all of that. I wasn't super uh, social. I was actually really shy and introverted. Um, and so I would take my camera and go outside away from people and take pictures of trees and rocks and just anything that made me happy. Um, and I even took my younger siblings. I would have them model for me at that age. And again, I'm talking under 10, like seven, eight, I was doing that. So it was just something um, that I was just, I don't know, in intuition. I just was drawn to it naturally. And then it just evolved from there. That's awesome. You, it's, it's, uh, it is something that when, when you do it, it, it gets to where you, the more you do it, the more you want to do it. And, oh yeah. It's and I suppose the risk you run in, especially in a, in a, in a, for someone like yourself is you do it, that's your job. You do it all the time. So then there's the risk mm -hmm. of that, the love for that art becomes uh, less, le yeah. less fun and more of a, a chore or, or it can become kind of a, a burdensome thing. All of it. Yeah. And, and is there, do you have any strategies for, for avoiding that? Um, I mean, I'm in the thick of that right now, just because that my career now, thankfully, I mean, I, it's, I'm blessed to say that I've turned something that was my hobby, something that I enjoyed into a career. Um, that is something that I do full time. It's something that I pay my bills with. So that's a blessing. Um, but you nailed it on the head. It is still my job now. And so there are a hundred percent days where I do not feel like working, you know, who does, you know? Um, and so I guess for me, it's 
learn or learning to recognize when I'm feeling that, I guess, burnout and knowing that I need to take one, just probably just a break from work period, but also going back to the love of it. So doing projects um, for fun Mm -hmm. that I enjoy. So creating um, shoots um, free of charge for someone with, for a project that I'm passionate about um, or just styling a concept that I have in my head, you know, just for the love of it for art. So just when I'm feeling that, um, like I said, burnout, just going back to just doing it for fun, doing the part that I enjoy. And that helps fuel my creativity to keep going. Yeah, that's, that's key. And, and, and balancing different aspects of, of a person's job that could apply to any job where yeah, do one thing, if, you, if that's all you do, you got to break it up so that you, you don't feel the pressure. And I did, I got that advice once there was some project that I didn't, I wasn't thrilled about working on, but it had to be done. And mm-hmm. someone told me, well, just pick a time of day, pick a half hour where you work just on that. And just know that every day at four, you're going to work on this thing for 30, 40 minutes. And I started doing that and, and it, it ended so much faster than I thought it would because I just, in a disciplined way, did it every day. And and it didn't feel heavy like I thought it would. So yeah. I suppose it's similar. It's a similar type of, of discipline. That's good advice. I need to <laughs> try that. <laughs> There's a lot of, at, at, uh, as, as you mentioned, I do certain, uh, photography is not my main job at USA, but I do a certain amount of photography for our events. And right. there, there's a lot of, there's a lot involved besides just pointing a camera and there's, there's picking out which ones work and which ones don't. And sometimes doing little edits on those, you could have a perfect picture and then somebody's got like a weird look on their face and you know, it's going to tick them off if they see that. And, and so you yeah, gotta, that's, those are the parts that are like not fun. You know, yeah. that's the grunt work that people don't see. That's the part that burns me out. Cause that's not the creative side. That's not why that's not the photography side. That's the business side, you know, that's the post-production. So there's not a whole lot of magic in that. So yeah, um, that would be the times that I'd have to schedule in a day to just focus on and get it done. Um, so I could get back out and shooting, which is what I love. So you mentioned that you did compete or were interested in competition. Did, did you compete at regional state? Yeah. So I, um, competed, um, my, I don't remember which years I competed. I remember I competed twice. Um, I competed my first time in photography, like I had planned. Um, and, I did that just because I wanted to. It was fun. I failed miserably at it because um, of the written test. Um, because like I said, I didn't have a class or anything at school. So I had a little bit of a um, handicap there just because I you know, I knew my camera and I knew how to do what make it do what I wanted it to do. But when it came to knowing the technical terms, I didn't know any of that at that age. And so I didn't place well because of that, but I enjoyed it. Um, and then my second time competing, I was a state officer at that point. So I decided to challenge myself and compete in prepared speech. Um, and so if you knew me then you would have known how big of a deal that was for someone as shy as I was someone that, 
did, that did not come natural to it all. But I decided like, I was like, listen, I have spent a year training and I've had a little bit of, um, you know, experience with speaking up at that point was being a state officer. So I decided to put it to the test. And again, I failed miserably. I ended up walking out of my competition. I got so nervous. <laughs> I forgot my whole speech, but I wasn't there to win. It was just more, I wanted just to prove that I could do it if I wanted to. And you know, so yeah, I did compete and I competed in multiple things just to try them out. Well, you know, that's, that's fantastic. And we often say this, it gets said a lot at our, our, our national event that just being there, you're already a winner. And so mm-hmm. even though you feel like that you failed, it wasn't really a failure though, because you did. Yeah, it. no, not you at all. And, and it's, and you learn from it. So that's the best part about it. And, and that's a, in an ideal situation. That's, that's what happens is you learn from the event and, and take that knowledge forward. Mm-hmm. So being a state officer, how did you decide to do that? Once again, it was other people pushing me (laughs) to do it. (laughs) Um, Again, that was not something that I would have ever thought of doing. Um, It was, and it was my first year at, you know, my new school. It was my first year being in that quote unquote club is all I knew of it. I was there just for photography. I wasn't there for anything else. I really wasn't even there to make friends, mm-hmm. um, you know, within my chapter. But I think it was very early on. It was before our champions rally, and that's in the fall. So I want to say maybe a month or two um, of chapter meetings. My advisor had pulled me to the front of the group and said, hey, so I want you to run for state officer. So I looked at him and I said, what is that? <laughs> and so he pulls up the national, I guess, recruitment video, promo video. I don't know what it's called. Um, but it's basically just, a, you know, a, a, a reel of nationals. And so I'm sitting there and I'm watching this on the big projector in our classroom. And I'm seeing like the opening closing ceremony and a mass sea of people. And I'm seeing the delegate session with all the states. And um, I looked at him and again, and I said, you want me to do what? and I said there's no way like absolutely not he said oh no you're doing it so I don't know if it was like something he's again like if he saw something in me that I didn't see and he just said no I want to push you to do this or if he was just like desperate for someone to run and he needed someone and I was his best bet but either way um, I'm glad he did it him uh, Corey Nowalski and Angela Webb Crosby were both my advisors and they both pushed me to do it and I guess they were right or maybe I just rose to the occasion and I delivered what was expected of me but either way it ended up I it being a state officer propelled me a lot farther and quicker um in my career and in just success in life than I could have on my own and I may be selling myself short there but I fully fully believe skill just say um impacted me hugely from giving me the opportunity yeah, I can imagine that, especially as you described yourself as shy and kind of introverted. Yeah. The nature of the work you do is kind of, you kind of have to take control, you kind of have to take command mm-hmm. of a situation and direct people and guide people and, and inspire people to do certain things when you're trying to get the right shot. I'm thinking particularly in a, you know, I know weddings aren't supposed to be stressful, but they can be very stressful for people. Oh, they're very stressful. <laughs> and, and so you're, 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 you're balancing all of that. So I can imagine that must have made a huge impact on what you were doing. Yeah. Like just learning 
again, some like you said, me being shy, me lacking a lot of social experience from being homeschooled. Um, I needed those basic one-on-one, how to shake someone's hand, how to look them in the eye, how to introduce yourself and learn someone's name, how to network. That may be second nature to someone else, but for me, I, you know, that wasn't. So me learning that was, you know, basic skills that I was missing. And like you said, I use those every day now in my career and I'm meeting new clients and I have to be direct and I have to um, instill confidence in them that I have confidence in myself and, and, and in my skills. And I have to, like you said, take charge um, on a wedding day and, and I'm commanding the attention of a lot of people at one time and someone like me who has a really small voice and I'm very, you know, just quiet and whatnot, being a state officer and learning how to command that attention. I, I learned so much from it. So I, yeah, I used all of the skills that I've learned then now in my career. So fast forward then from state officer experience you also served on the SkillsUSA Alumni and Friends Executive Board and, okay. and took probably what I think to this day is the best picture of the executive board team that anyone's ever taken. <laughs> <laughs> and I was in it. <laughs> and you were in it. And, and so what, what was that like? What did you do there? Oh, I loved it. Oh my gosh. It was so much fun. Um, cause we, you know, I love to travel. And so I got to go to States I'd never been to before. And, um, but basically, so backing up again, just remind you, the only thing I joined skills to say for was just to compete, you know? And so for me to fast forward to at that point, I'm now not just a student member on the state level, not just a alumni volunteer on the state level, but I'm now working on the national level, um, representing my region. I was the region two representative um, on the alumni board. So I um, was basically the bridge or the extension of the national alumni association to the state associations, alumni association. So I was their assistance for whatever they needed resources, they needed help with recruiting alumni, if they needed help with um, getting training set up. I was just there to find answers to their questions. Um, and so it's just crazy that I ended up there, you know, and then especially considering just who I was as a person. I'm, you know, again, going back to me being shy and, and not knowing how to talk to people too. Now I'm networking with people who are a lot more experienced than I was. And, you know, so just being in that situation alone was just a tribute to my how, excuse me, say works, um, and it being a product of the, the the system and the process and how I was able to advance that. But um, so what I did there, like I said, I would um, contact each one of the states in my region. Um, I would usually be in contact with either their state director or the alumni coordinator. They had one, and like I said, I would just you know see what they needed, um, and. Um, I worked with different people from different people in, in different states. Um, I learned different, I learned a lot. I mean, I, my mind is like reeling with everything I learned with that. Um, Fantastic. It's, it, I remember watching, and every year I watch the alumni and what they do at, at our national event and, and they do a lot of work and they, they're, they're in a lot of places at the same, you know, sometimes it seems like they're always, they're everywhere at the same time. 
And, mm-hmm. and so there's a lot to be done and there's a lot of work still to do in, in the States and um, in helping to grow that resource because it is a resource. It, it's a resource, not just for the national organization, but for the state association where mm-hmm. the alumni members can help run conferences and, and a lot of states are very good at, at crafting and, and retaining and working with alumni in their states. I believe Georgia is one of them because you often see the um, alumni very visibly at their state conference. Yeah. And, and so that's a great thing. Do you have any advice for states on how ways that they might help grow their alumni? I mean, that's a pretty broad question, but just what, 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 can, what can we do to help what could, well, maybe I'll turn it around on me then. What can the national organization do to help states grow their alumni? Oh. So I think that may be a layered question. Okay. Um, because when I was serving as the Region 2 representative on the executive board for alumni, um, that was my job was to aid in recruitment to help people help the states grow their alumni association and so i would go to the state directors or the um, alumni coordinators with great enthusiasm i was you know excited i was ready you know i was ready willing and able even if i didn't have the answers i was ready to help them find those answers whatever they needed and so when i would come to them with okay what do you need do you need more you know how do you want to grow like you said um I wasn't met with the same enthusiasm. And I don't mean that in a bad way. And I'll explain I mean, um, they looked at me almost with concern because I think what it was is they may have learned how to recruit those members, but then the question, their next question was, okay, what do we do with them? Mm-hmm. Um, or it's how can we serve them or how can we utilize them? That was their main concern was, um, you know, because I even gave them numbers. I, I remember I gave each one of my state the amount of numbers um, or the amount of uh, alumni registered within their state. And I remember them looking at those numbers almost with a sense of like overwhelming, like, oh my gosh, I did not know I had this many. Mm-hmm. I think Georgia at the time had two or 3,000 um, current members. Um, and so, yeah, you'd imagine, okay, how do I tap like, how do I tap into that? What do I, what do I do with these numbers? Yeah. You know? Um, and I didn't have that answer for them. I was like, huh, good point. <laughs> um, and so just knowing from my experience with Georgia at the time, I really didn't, you know, understand, but in reflection, I came up with those two questions. It's they're wanting to know how can we serve them and can we utilize them? So if they're going to have these numbers, if they're going to contact these alumni, what are they contacting them for? Why are they recruiting them? You know, why should they sign up as alumni? Um, and so if their main question is, okay, how do we recruit them? If they're stuck on, you know, question number one, okay, how do we get these numbers? You know, I remember when we were at national conference one year um, as an alumni and we were signing everyone up using the QR scanners. We would take their badges and scan their codes on the their ID badge. Um, and then immediately they were registered as alumni. Cause that seemed to be the first step that a lot of people didn't know was impossible. They were like, we have an alumni association. I didn't know. Um, can you hear my daughter? <laughs> Just little. <laughs> okay. Mama's talking to a friend. Okay. You gotta be quiet. 
Um, and so that was the first step. So if, you know, there's tons of ways to recruitment wise. And like you said, with Georgia, our presence at state conference is very visible. That is the number one thing that I would recommend is just making sure that your current alumni are seen. So our, our state conferences, all of our alumni have separate shirts. So they all know that that's who they are. Um, they are, um, assigned to certain projects where they're seen hands-on um and so yeah presence is just number one for getting recruitment so that way a future alumni can see that and say oh wow that's cool you know i want to be able to do that i want to come back and help and volunteer um but then you have those two other questions which is okay once we do have those numbers and we have those people that are willing to help how can we serve them and what can we can we utilize them yeah well, it, it, there's some exciting changes happening now within the Alumni uh, Association where they have been meeting with, uh, they've, they've, they've formed an alumni task force and have been looking at ways to engage the alumni locally. And, mm -hmm. and there's several recommendations that have been made and those will be proceeding as we move forward. But it, 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 it's going to look a little different than it has in the past, I believe. But uh, mm -hmm. Fingers crossed, it will it will result in in a better way and a more effective way to engage our alumni. That is the awesome. intention, anyway. So, so let's get back to your photography business a little bit. It is let, let maybe give your website and so people know where to find it. And mm -hmm. is it? So all of my, my website, social media is just my first and last name is Glory Beefer is G-L-O-R-I. There's no A in there. A lot of people like to yeah. add the A for Gloria, but it's just Glory. Um, so yeah, it's all my name, Glory Beefer Photography everywhere. Okay. And you started that, what, when did you, what year did you start? Um, that's kind of a tricky question. I've been shooting weddings for 10 years, which okay. is crazy to say. Um, but as far as it becoming my full-time business and meaning I quit all my other jobs, I dropped out of school and I devoted everything to that. That was probably four years ago four years right ago. before I had my daughter. Yeah. And what do you think is the biggest misconception that people might have about someone who runs their own business, especially someone <laughs> who's also a mom and a wife? And so you're, you're, what, what do you think that people misunderstand about that? Um, probably, you know, I'm not just an entrepreneur, but I'm what we call a creative entrepreneur. So I'm not someone that has, um, a brick and mortar store. I'm not someone who has, you know, a, a, a product a lot of times that you can hold in your hand. The only time you're really going to see the fruits of my labor these days is if you get on Facebook or if you go to my website, people don't really do billboards or magazines anymore, unfortunately. Um, and so a lot of times people don't see me working, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so that's a lot of times a big misperception is that, yes, it's, there's pros and cons to it. I can make my own schedule. I am flexible. I can be available when I want to be. Um, but people will think, oh, well, she can just, she's got all the free time in the world, you know, like. Um, but it, and it's not true. I'm up till two, three, four a.m. sometimes doing work, so that way I can be available, you know, when I want to be. And also that it's fun and that it's easy. Mm -hmm. um, it is, but like we were talking earlier, there is a, a 
a side of my business that's just straight grunt work. There's sides of it that's not fun. I'm having to, and I wear all the hats. It's just me. You know, I'm the one that's answering emails and setting up consults, and I'm the one building my website and editing, taking the pictures, you know, all of it. So I guess it's just the work behind the scenes that people don't see is probably what people don't understand. So my wife's a piano teacher. She works out of our home. And yes, she can take off any day she chooses to. But unlike Mm -hmm. someone who has, who works in an office and maybe has vacation days, she doesn't get paid if she doesn't work. Exactly. And so it's, I think people, you mentioned, they think that, that yes, you can be flexible, but then you're making choices too. And, And so you may choose not to work a particular day, but then you're also choosing not to, and, and you're choosing not to make that money. And then on top of that, you're not necessarily, you know, it's not eight hours a day. It's sometimes more than that. And mm-hmm. averages out to be more than a 40 hour work week in many cases. So it's, there's a lot of pieces to working for yourself that I think people don't understand. Mm-hmm. I was, I was thinking about, I'm pretty sure that I, I'm friends with a lot of photographers, but I'm pretty sure this was you where you were shooting a wedding, but it was outside. You were outside, but it had been raining or something and, and you were having to kneel in the wet. Was that you? Oh yes. About the, um, was it the reception shot yeah. in the dark? Yes, yeah. that was. And, and that, that, that's what made me think about that to ask that question was that particular post that you had made on your social about being outside and, getting, you know, getting in the mud and the grass and everything to get the right shot. And, and so there's, there's a lot that goes into getting that perfect shot. Yeah. I'd say that is something that I hear a lot when I tell them that I'm a wedding photographer specifically, they they think, Oh my gosh, how fun, you know? (laughs) And I'm like, yes, it's fun, but not really. I mean, it's, there's fun parts to it, but I mean, you think about it. I am outside majority of the time. I don't know about in other states, but here we have a lot of outdoor weddings. Um, So I am outdoors probably eight to 10 hours on my feet. Um, I don't get breaks. Um, You know, I hardly sit down for a meal during that day. Um, I'm in the grass. Like you said, I'm in the mud. I'm in uh, knee high fields. Um, and I'm having to adhere to a timeline as well. I'm trying to be creative and I'm trying to be fun. I'm trying to be fun to work with, but I'm also on a crunch. I've probably got 15, 20 minutes to get a certain amount of pictures done before I've got to move on to the next thing. So there's like so many layers and so many skill sets that I've had to um, acquire through trial and error to be where I'm at today to be able to call myself a professional. I've had to learn the, all the not so fun parts of that job. And how has be, being a mom changed the way you do your job? So I was, you know, like I said before, I've been a photographer since I was a kid. Um, but as far as being the business side of it, I actually became a mom and a full-time photographer at the same time. Oh, okay. Um, so that kind of grew together, thankfully. Um, it, it was still so hard. But um, the same year that I quit my job and quit school was the same year uh, I found out I was pregnant with my daughter. So um, I basically went into my first year um, as a business owner, also as my first year as a mom. So um, 
I do remember specifically when I was pregnant, Googling and researching for different blogs or resources or, or resources on how to be a mom and an entrepreneur at the same time. And there was, the resources were very limited back then. There's a lot more now, even just within the four or five years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and I couldn't hardly find anything. Um, Cause I guess, I don't know why, but um, I remember like looking for those answers. Like, how do I do this? How do I take care of an infant at home when I need to be on a call with the client? How do I make schedules? around all of that um so and I guess also and I know you have kids so you understand what I'm saying it's like once you get used to one stage of your kids then they change and they get to a new stage then you have to relearn that stage and so it was like I never really could it's just constantly just being flexible so I could get used to this age now that she's in where I know that if I sit her with an iPad or or a project she's good for about 10-15 minutes I can get some emails done um, and then I have to move on to whatever she's ready to do or knowing that I have to, if I've got projects I need to get done, deadlines to meet, that means I either need to wake up at 4am before she gets up to get those done. Or a lot of times that means staying up till 4am sometimes to get those done. So it's just, I guess, being flexible and just rolling with it really. How long till uh, you put her to work? <laughs> she's already, she's so ready. Like she, I got her a, um, camera that's also a bubble machine um for easter and she loves it and she loves stealing my phone to take pictures and she tells me how to pose so whenever she's ready i'm ready to put it work i think that i got my i think i was eight or nine when i got my first camera and it was a little thing they had back back then it was like 1970 something and Mm -hmm. it's called a kodak instamatic (laughs) it's a little tiny box it's very similar to the disposables they used to have um Uh back when you were growing up probably but the difference was that this, you didn't throw it away, but it was, it wasn't much more sturdy, <laughs> but I remember being at the, uh, in, in, in Washington, DC with our fifth grade class. Um, I grew up in this area outside of DC, so it wasn't a long trip and they had us all, uh, stop. They said the King of Spain is coming through <laughs> and I didn't know at that time what a big deal that was. It was the first time since before World War II that that a king from Spain had come to the United States because there was a whole political thing that happened over there just before or after the World War II. And the the king and the, the, the royal family was not allowed to be in that role anymore for many, many years. And the, the dictator had just died a couple of months before and, and, and the man who was would have been the king w- played a big part in stabilizing the country. And I had no, I didn't know any of that back then. And I just remember thinking, oh, cool, a king. And then I took his picture and I was like, what? He's in a suit. He's not even got a crown on. But I was like, you know, 11 years old. <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> I thought kings always had to have crowns. And uh, anyway, and and so it in doing what I do for the organization now, I've taken pictures of presidents and congressmen and senators and and different government officials and it's it's one of the things that makes photography fun is those kinds of uh-huh. but yeah you can start at a young age is my point i guess and so yeah you, yeah you put her to work like right away and <laughs> <laughs> well, we're getting to where we 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 need to wrap up but i did want to ask you 
regarding, uh, you, you, and, and you sort of actually mentioned this, uh, we have a, a thing in SkillsUSA called the SkillsUSA framework, which is just the common language we use to articulate what people get out of SkillsUSA membership. And, and you mentioned like there are 17 essential elements as part of the SkillsUSA framework. And I was look, going through them earlier and prior to this interview, and I was thinking, gosh, she, she kind of has all of these because she has to because of the job. So I you mentioned to. flexibility just now. Adaptability and flexibility is one to embrace change that way. Um, personal skills, you have to interact with people in a, in a professional, pers personal way and, and have discipline um, in yourself and, mm -hmm. and professionalism, responsibility, all of, there's several, I'm not going to read the whole list, but it mm -hmm. seems like the work you do requires all of all 17. I agree. <laughs> yeah. If you had any advice just to wrap up, I know this one's out of, I didn't prepare you with this question, but if you had any okay. advice for someone wanting to either become a photographer or someone who wanted to start their own business, what would you say? Um, well, specifically a photographer, I would say um, to find ways to train without taking on gigs first, paid gigs. Um, so in wedding photography world, what that would be is um, called a second shooter. Um, a lot of times when I'm doing a wedding, I hire another photographer to help me cover the event. Um, so it's a way, um, so it, in, in essence, they're my assistant um, with a camera that they're also doing the same job I am. Um, and so something that I wish I would have done was to do that more, to assist people more, um, to get more, um, experience without it all being on me. I took on a lot more jobs before I think I was ready. And of course I learned by trial and error, which is one way to learn. But I think, um, that's something people don't realize that they have an option to do is to kind of gradually work into making that your full-time career. There's ways to intern. There's ways to, um, there are courses that you can learn outside of um, a formal education. Um, so I would say just, just taking the time to learn that there's no rush into making it, you know, whatever your goal is. So I would just say that, and that, that I think goes for any, type of photography and even business too, um, just taking it slow. I think people are so ready to, a lot of times just ready to be successful and make money and be hustling and grinding, but there's no rush. Um, and there's actually a lot of, um, benefit to taking your time to make sure that each skill is uh, not perfected, but solid, you know, before you start putting it to the test really. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much for your time today. I know you're busy. I know there's a lot going on, and um, I appreciate you taking some time to talk to us about your, your journey. Thank you. This was fun. It was. Still, still, still.